Good morning and a happy Monday to you folks. It is a beautiful day outside, fantabulous day outside. So good. We're going to make up words here on this Monday morning because the most powerful tool we have as humans is our words. One word can change a life or destroy millions. Wars have been created due to words. When you speak, Speak with integrity. Please use the power of your words to inspire change and create transformative action in others. Understand the collaboration of authentic words and inspirational action will always lead to the direction of truth. Do your words match your action. Today, I'm going to ask you folks to do something that I am going to try and do myself, which is not use my words to spread personal poison. I'm not going to express anger, jealousy, or hate. No, my words will be used to encourage and enable inspirational energy because the most powerful gift we have is our words. So let's go generate some positive energy today on this Monday morning, folks. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Monday to you folks. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous day here in Fargo, North Dakota. My goodness, after a week being on the road, I'm back on the east side of the state for the home studios, the industrial forest studios. Then I'm another week and I'm back, back on the road, on the road man. Welcome back. We're happy to have you. Making my way down to Texas. That voice you're hearing is Sterling. My goodness, I forgot you were part of the show. Me too, man. <laughs> Well, that sounded a little different. Uh, well, you know, a little, pe- little different tone there. Yeah, yeah. Weren't people asking you if I was real or not? Because I'm, I have to ask myself that question every day. We did. We had three people, three people that came up to the booth and they said, uh, we had multiple people ask mm-hmm. where you were, mm-hmm. but three people specifically asked if you were real. <laughs> Like if you were Wilson from, right. well, Wilson was real, but Vera from Cheers. Sure, she Vera. Wasn't, was she real? Who knows? Yeah, no one knows. They actually said a name like Stooley or Stooby. Or... I get that. Stanley. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. You know what my so... nickname was when I was in junior high? No. Sterile. Sterile. That's yeah. a very unfortunate That was nickname. unfortunate. Yep. Uh, you know what my nickname was for a brief period of time? Well, of course, when I was a child... I got in trouble. I got sent to the nun's office because during church, mm-hmm. <clears throat> growing up as a Catholic, I'd say, yeah. peace be with you. Oh. Instead of peace be with you. Blasphemy. Totally. Of course, I think, you know, clever right, puns. Yeah. Peace be with you. Yeah. And there's always one Judas in the bunch. <laughs> there's always one Judas in the bunch. So did you get the cane? Oh, no. I get, uh, I get the ruler. You got the ruler. Sometimes they'd hang in a hook. Ooh. Like uh, a wood hook. Wood hook. Oh, well, that, that makes it so yeah, much better. Did, yeah, right. As, lo- as long as you had some baggy clothes on, it worked pretty well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, so busy week. Busy week coming. Good times are a little PTSD. Yeah. I was going to say, you're probably a little shell-shocked at this point. That was a little bit. But I tell Get you, I, am, I haven't even unpacked yet. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I've got four things left to unpack coming off of the Williston Basin Petroleum Council. They have their uh, biannual. It's the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference mm-hmm. put on by the Williston Basin Petroleum 
Council. That's not confusing at all. Big thank you, by the way. Awesome job. Fantastic. They do such a fabulous job, the Williston Basin Petroleum Council. Truly, in terms of conferences, they are one of the leaders when it comes to entertainment combined with, you know, they do a lot of the play hard, work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, but on sort of a writ large, well, it's, different it's level there. More of a white, white collar. Sure. Because it is in Bismarck. Yeah. So you're at the state capitol. So you yeah. got all the dignitaries, yeah. all the politicians. Dignified. So they like a little more controlled fun. Mm-hmm. So like the Johnny Green. Yeah. You know, that, the, the, the championship belt, for them. Yeah. It doesn't play as well as much as, as Wyoming or Oklahoma. However. You found one super fan. Oh, there, there was at least a dozen people that Man. came up. I'm glad you took it. Where's the belt? Where's the belt? <laughs> so we pulled the belt out underneath, and now we've got three challengers for the belt. All right. Big announcements coming with the Johnny Green Earth Championship belt because, spoiler alert, it's up for grabs. Okay. Well, it's up for grabs. We got a big announcement. Why? Johnny Green is no longer the champ. You heard it first right here on the Crude Life Morning Showdown. Show. Play hard, work hard. Johnny Green is no longer the champ. We have a vacant Earth's championship belt, folks. <laughs> Holy. Who's going to keep reaching for that rainbow? Holy Hannah. This is a heavy-duty belt, too, man. I've, 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 I've had the pleasure of handling this belt. 15 pounds yeah. of eco-authority right mm-hmm. there. i got to weigh that thing because I just made that word up. It sounds about right, though. I mean, Chuck, It's at least 10, man. Chuck Carbondale. Chuck Carbondale. <laughs> he made it up. Chuck Carbondale, of course, is the commissioner for the Earth's Protection Alliance, the EPA. Sure. Getting back to the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference, they they do put on a fabulous job because they they kind of do like a fireside chat. Okay. Okay. So it's they 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 have the side rooms with the C-SPAN mm-hmm. where you got the right the breakout sessions the, where they're talking the, about real shop. The breakout sessions, yeah. right? I've been exactly. to offsites. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's extremely technical, extremely boring. Yeah. But for those people who enjoy that, which I do in certain elements, mm-hmm. absolutely. But certain other ones, no, yeah. no. I'm playing back in the day, free cell, and, right. then, and <laughs> you know, and I mean, people are like taking it back, man. Four people are like, oh, I remember free I remember cell, free cell, Minesweeper. Remember Snake? <laughs> you know, what I mean, we start the original cell phones. Well, the laptop had free cell, yeah, and then it went to uh, uh, free cell or solitaire, mm-hmm. and then it went to snake on your flip phone, right? Yep. And then when you got to the Crackberry, Blackberry, and the smartphone, the and then it just you know bison burrito yeah. and all kinds of different things. <laughs> so, well, your world's your oyster, Candy Crush, all right. kinds of friends and fiends, endless distractions, basically. Facebook, yeah, LinkedIn. So, do you see a lot of people walking around with their phones, staring at their phones at this type of thing, or are they talking to people? There was a, a lot of shaking hands and hugging. Okay. No kissing babies? There was kissing babies, kissing uh, hands. <laughs> well, people shaking were, babies. People were so excited not only to see each other, to feel accepted to hug. Yeah. Like people who probably never hug. Ron Swanson was hugging people. Right. Ron Swanson from Park and Rex <laughs> was hugging people, okay? I mean, that's the type of vibe it was. Monty Bessler, who we did a great interview with, Frackinator, mm. the Frackinator. awesome name. Who was filmed for a documentary. Mm. He's one of the Bakken originals. Like, he's an icon. So much so, he was asked to be in a documentary as one of the legends. 
Nice. And uh, he, he's in a French, French documentary on the Bakken. And when you watch it over, yeah, some PBS, you know, French, Mm -hmm. you know, government subsidized. Uh, Franck. (laughs) Evil. (laughs) And so, (laughs) anyway, so he was telling the story about how when he watched it, you know, in France, he was the fracking nature. The fracking, oh, no. (laughs) I mean, it was like the best ever. I'm like, I would change my name to that in a second. So this guy sounds like somebody that could contend for the belt, possibly. I mean, this is like almost a, a, you know, that type of personality he right? has worn the belt twice oh, he has worn the belt twice I mean, he's guard. a big johnny green fan okay he's the guy who wears the shirt that says i'm an engineer i know everything <laughs> what else do you want to know yeah what do you and, got and then the other one what does it say like uh i'm pro gun pro choice uh pro i'm straight a republican how else can i offend you and he wears that around a barbecue that's monty <laughs> Love him to death, right? My kind of free flag and right. fly guy, yep. you know. Basically, just a man with all his bumper stickers. So we interviewed him. Uh, he's been banned on LinkedIn for life. That's he's, that's he's becoming up there a, with Donald Trump was, and Alex Jones. I was going to say that's that. It's starting to become a, an interesting group. <laughs> well, his uh, his ban, he and he was very vocal, mm-hmm. very opinionated. How do you get kicked off LinkedIn? We asked him that, and I, I asked. I, in fact, we've already aired the interview. Okay. So if you want to go back and take a listen, folks, it is available at thecrudelife.com. Monty Bessler, Frackinator. He's been banned for LinkedIn for life, and he tells the story. He started out, and he went up, woke up one morning, and oil and gas sales are a huge part of your business is LinkedIn. It might only be an hour a day. It might be seven hours a day. Either way. If you're in business development, you're on LinkedIn, right? In oil and gas. So if you're a small business owner, a portion of your day is at least checking in and, right. you that know. Networking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you've got some time to make the donuts bare minimum, right? Yeah. Well, Monty was, he's, listen, he's retired 10 years ago, does it for the enjoyment, mm-hmm. does it for the fun. He's still working and he's still respectful. He mentioned that he had to ask his boss because he's an independent contractor, but when he goes and works for somebody, Mm -hmm. that's his boss. They own his time, right? He asked permission to go to the Williston Basin Conference. The dude's like 70 years old, right? You know, and he's (laughs) still as that. So his posts, well opinionated, Mm -hmm. they are very rarely ill intent. He has a son that has extreme autism that's in ABLE. He's extremely offended by Greta Thunberg because mm. of the way the parents are using an autistic child, in his opinion, because he's raised one. Right. So he has like real life stuff, right? So they didn't even send him. What did he say? He goes, Yeah, what kind of warning does he get? He goes, Because uh, I asked him, I go, Did you swear? And he goes, No. I go, Did you threaten anybody? Mm. He said, No. I go, Did you threaten your own life? He said, No. I go, what are the other ones? I'm like, whoa! How how did Alex Jones get banned? How did Donald Trump get banned? That you know? seems a little bit easier, Alex Jones. Well, okay. right. And so I go, what 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 did you do? And he said that he posted something that challenged climate change, and that's what got him banned. Was something along that, and that actually struck struck me a little bit because he's a, actually a trained geologist, so he kind of does know what he's talking about, right? But he he has the post. And it was his opinion. It was his opinion. And he was making his opinion. He was, and then he, I think he, he actually put the link in there of citing a source. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what got that's him. What got him. That's what did it. That's what did it. So they probably they probably call it spamming or you know something like that. I'm sure they I'm sure they've got a term for why. But they do he it. goes. Uh, he said uh, at least on Facebook. Oh, so funny. By the way, this is like one of my favorite interviews. Sean Forbes, <laughs> who was your replacement for the week. Uh, that's a kind way of saying it. <laughs> she um, <laughs> she just fell in love with Monty. She's like you're. I love you. I you're the best <laughs> ever. She was just like so inspired by him because he's just. He's a free, free talking, mm-hmm. freedom loving, well respecting, loves humans. You know, he's a humanitarian at the end of the day. He is, but at the same time, he's 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 pretty opinionated. Vocal, too. Yeah. vocal, yeah, passionate. Everybody just loves Monty, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like talking about the way he so casually throws out things that just threw me off guard. Like he goes, he goes, okay. Well, you know, when they ban you on Facebook, at least they throw you in jail for a few weeks. And I'm going, whoa, wait a minute. This is like a regular occurrence. And then about 10 minutes later, he's like, he goes, yeah. He goes, so, because we're talking about the name Frackinator, and it's on his license plate. Uh And he actually changed the name to fit the license plate. plate. So in the name, legally, Mm -hmm. the eight is part of his name, Frackinator. Right, so it's on the... his, he's got stickers that have the North Dakota license plate, Frackinator, nice. right? Yeah. It's a good and, brand, man. And he goes, so he's telling the story about how when he gave it to a guy, they were driving behind him with the license plate. Mm. They recognized him from driving behind him. <laughs> but wait, I'm going to start over now. So he goes, yeah, I was buying a personalized gun down there, and I gave it to the guy, right? And that's what I did. As soon as you started chuckling, I lost it, too, because he was just so casual. Yeah. God bless North Dakota. God bless Texas. God bless Wyoming. God bless South Dakota. It's already an interesting story, man. So when I'm buying this personalized commemorative gun. Commemorative. And, and uh, first of all, the fact that somebody just says that in today's day and yeah. age so casually. Yeah, like that wasn't even the most important thing he was doing that day. But doesn't pause for effect. No. Keeps going. Because that wasn't the point of the story. Right. Yeah. Just like keeps going. But it wasn't even aware enough to know that yeah. his audience might be like, whoa. It's like, it's like I went to Walmart this morning and <laughs> right. then. Exactly. Yeah. And then secondly, you actually have a guy doing that at a trade show. Yep. God bless America. I love it, man. I love it, baby. I just cannot get enough of it. So we had a fantastic week. We had, you know, play hard. We had some fun. Mm-hmm. We interviewed a lot of heavyweights. In fact, uh, Continental Resources, Blue Halsey. He's a governor, uh, government regulatory affairs. Okay. Went on record with climate tax with us. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Hey, Jenica wasn't the only one working. Yeah. I was working. Yeah, you were there from time to time. I was working. Yeah. Yeah. I, heard, I heard even Frackleberry did a good job there. Frackleberry was not allowed in the conference. <sighs> Johnny Green wasn't allowed. Frackleberry wasn't allowed. Yeah. We still had a good time. Interviewed a guy named Talon. Talon. Great name. Another gentleman named Eric Calderon. Calderon. No relation to Yvonne Calderon of the Montreal Expos. <laughs> Man, that is an obscure connection. Nice. What, the word Montreal or Expos? Expos. Both Many people out yeah. there uh, are saying, still what, trying to figure out what, what is, what is an expo. Yeah. And so, what is a Montreal? We also had a uh, gentleman from Scotland. Nice. The Gaelic Galt has decided to throw down the gauntlet against Johnny Green as well. Ooh. Yeah, it sounds like this is, this is a little bit of a, uh, a hoot nanny. 
Truckers Against Trafficking did a little social awareness, too. Nice. Yeah. Truckers Against Trafficking. Human trafficking, right? Human trafficking. That's right. Didn't realize it was as severe as a problem as it was. Yeah. And there's a lot of Janes out there as opposed to Johns. Oh, yes. Where a lot of the people out there peddling the underage women Mm -hmm. are women. Are women. Yeah. So Ashley Smith was her name. She was a fabulous interview. And... It was fun to talk because, you know, I, my, my ba- I, I, I spent a few years in a trucking company. Mm-hmm. I, I was out in the yard washing the semis. <laughs> I talked to the mechanics, the right. IT guys, the truckers. Everybody liked talking to the young guys, listening to the radio with their shirt off. <laughs> oh, we, we, we were the guy, you know, we were the secretary. Right. The right. forgotten people. Yeah. You know, the, the essential workers. Yeah. The strong back, man. <laughs> the, the people nobody cared about, right? Okay. <laughs> Basically the donkeys and mules of the operation. This was a fun interview. I'm just kind of going through my notes here, folks. Sorry. It's sorry as I kind of no, go wait, through we my notes. Recap. I haven't even gotten through these and notes. Are yet. these all up on the crude life right now? No. Okay. So Oh, this all this is gonna be fresh content over the next few weeks. Okay. Uh, over the next few days, we're putting out the timely ones, but we've got ones where people basically talk about their company, sure. talk about the conference. Mm-hmm. We're going to be putting Not those, as time sensitive. yeah, we'll yeah. be putting those out over the next few weeks, but so genius idea, hmm. new Coda. Okay. They have a new product called Gorilla Jack. I like it already. Right. Two of my favorite words. So I am, uh. Walk in to get the coffee. I mean, literally, until the last half hour of the show, mm-hmm. I hadn't left the booth other than to go to the bathroom or get coffee. Well, at least we you were had, getting coffee. We had interviews coming and going. Yep. I'd go to get coffee to come back, that type of thing. And that was just in the morning because I was mm-hmm. drinking water in the afternoon. I was being a good boy. <laughs> well, next to the coffee station that I went to was this Big sign, Gorilla Jack. Gorilla Jack. And this like gorilla, like silverback gorilla that looked like Stripe from Gremlins that had this like (laughs) mohawk, you know? Yeah, so total badass. And two things grabbed me at one time. Okay, Mm -hmm. number one, they had a crane game with Gorilla Jack gorillas that stress balls. Uh So you can go grab it. I've never won before in my life. I've spent hundreds of dollars trying to impress women looking like a total chump. Right. It's cheaper to break the glass, man. A lot of things cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things cheaper. So did you get one? So, no. Oh. Sean Forbes, first try. First, yeah. Jason Spees, demonstration how not to get one. Oh, look at how it fell this time. Look at that time. <laughs> oh, he got it. Nope, it fell. But that was later. First, you know, it caught my eye and I thought, that is effing cool. Yeah. Like, that is way cool to give someone free. And it was free. It wasn't even yeah. a quarter. But to incorporate it like that, that's a great draw. It was just awesome. Yeah. Well, because you, know? you got somebody who's going to stand there for a minute, right? As opposed to just grab the ball and go. So I grabbed Tiffany Steiner uh-huh. later on in the conference. I said, Tiffany, we got to get this at the Bach and Barbecue. And she's like, absolutely. Take a, takes a picture. She's like, what pigs? What? What do you think? Pigs? I'm like, ah, yeah, pigs is a stress ball. So that we might add that to the Bakken barbecue now. Brilliant. Who, who knows if there's enough time, you know, yeah. at this point. So anyway, that was secondary. But as I'm walking, walking down the hallway, and on one side we just have all tables, so it's wide open. On the other side, it's just two booths. We've got Mineral Tracker, mm-hmm. sponsor of the Crude Life. Okay, Mineral Tracker. And then next to them is Gorilla Jack. 
I'm still not clear exactly on what Gorilla Jack does. So, well, fortunate for you, we do interview <laughs> the founder of Gorilla Jack okay. and the gentleman involved. I believe this is CEO of... Dakota. I mean, just from the name, I'm assuming that they use probably bioengineered cybernetic gorillas to so, do jacking. I'm not sure if you know about my three years during the uh, downturn, where, where, how I had to pay the bills. But yeah. I had to, you know, do some side writing. Yeah. And I tried to... Slumming. I tried to get into the uh, UAS industry because I've been covering it since 2006. Mm-hmm. Pretty well controlled, predetermined, very difficult to get into. Okay. They've already picked who they want. Then I tried to get into the healthcare because that was another emerging market. I was trying to go to the emerging markets, right? Trying to get ahead of the curve mm-hmm. before the next boom comes. Boy, that was even more controlled than the U.S. market. Pfft, really? They, oh, yeah. Boy, they got that under wraps. Juiced in, huh? Well, How do you get to be a made man? Then I went to another market, which I'll get to in a second. Okay. Okay, and we do talk about that with the interview with the Gorilla Jack fellows. By the way, Gorilla Jack was original name... Yeah. Was something either, and I'll let you choose okay. in your own mind. So I get to pick? You can either choose Gorilla okay. or Jack. Okay. That was the first word. Okay. okay? They, they ended up that. But the original name was one of those, and then the second word was off. Okay. Must be Gorilla Off. I'm guessing it was Gorilla Off. Must be. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, Jack Off doesn't make any sense. No, not at all. So that was the original name, right? Okay. So anyway, as I'm walking by, the first time I see Gorilla Jack, I look at him and I go, what's the THC count of that? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the three guys about, you know, millennial age. Right. Bust out laughing. And the one guy looks at me and he goes, why'd you say that? And I go, well, I figured it was a Jack hair and a Gorilla Glue blend. And he goes, one guy goes, holy shit, do you know your stuff? I told him, I said, well, I wrote for the industry for three years. That was the industry right. that, gave me, that gave me opportunity. Yeah. And all I did was I, uh, I did a, about a half a dozen articles where uh, they were technical articles. They were all technical articles. They weren't fun. Right. But because, but because it was new to me, and it was cannabis, right. it was really fun. Yeah, totally. Well, I got a tour, and I got to see right. all the new lighting, and I got wow. to see you know, all that different stuff. And, and I got to interview people who actually were impacted by the medicine. Mm-hmm. So uh, like I interviewed Choice Organics, the very first dispensary in the United States. Very first one ever. Mm-hmm. Sat down with the owner. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Don't don't even care about the political side of things. Right. That's just it's that's just like, a cool opportunity. Yeah, as yeah. a journalist. As a journalist. That's absolutely. just awesome. Yeah. So anyway, so we interviewed them as well. <laughs> let's see who else did we have here. Well, I still let's don't see. know what they do. Well, you're gonna have to wait for that. Oh man, we're gonna have to listen. Oh, this was a fun interview, by the way. Hmm. So at the same time, Sean Forbes, she did a solo interview by herself. Wait a minute. I'm starting to wonder how much she needs you or I, really. She's the only one that could do the skill crane. She's the one that did most of the interviews. She introduces herself as the host of the show. Jason Spies is joining her. You're co-host. I'm yeah, co-host. You're That's co-host. right. Yeah, I've been, you're not forgotten. I've been demoted. You're just, you know. <laughs> well, she does an awesome job, so really, I think the best thing we can do is just stay out of her way. 
really accept what happened weeks ago. <laughs> Is that what we should you made just your do? Piece. Just, <laughs> just whatever. So she interviews uh, some students from UND, the University of North Dakota mm. Geology Department. Awesome. Okay, and at the same time, she was interviewing the students from the University of North Dakota that are going into geology and mm. evil carbon, the boogeyman of carbon. I'm out in front of the gorilla because there's so much security, they won't let anybody in that's not pre-registered, right. including students. Yeah. Just a little sh- well, normally in the past, you know, you say, hey, we're doing an interview. Right. They let you in. They don't care. But hey, Mike Pompeo is there. Oh, yeah. So there probably yeah. is re- like a, lot a certain of level of freedom searches going yeah. on there that day. <laughs> so we, was your did, we did the interview outside on a picnic table. Uh, in front of the big giant gorilla. Nice. Don't know why they do a gorilla. It gets you, it gets your attention. I mean, my first thought's actually gorilla glue, right? So I'm thinking like I'm thinking something strong, something uh, that fixes things. Oh, you're right? talking about the petroleum product, yes. not the THC product. Yeah. Okay. You're still on that. Okay. <laughs> I just named gorilla glue as a strain not too long ago. Well, I'll never forget that because it was the same as the the, the petroleum product, yep. you know and Jack Hare, because well, it's easy see, to I don't remember. even know what that is. That's an industry term. Yeah, he's he's one of the founders. He's like oh. uh, Rick Simpson. You okay. familiar with Rick Simpson? That I think name? so. Yeah, he's the guy that came up with the uh, Simpson oil. Rick Simpson oil. Oh, okay. It's what's a lot. Of, they're like the founders of the uh, whole cannabis movement. So I did not yeah, know they're that. Like, wow. Uh, they're like the lesser known. Another side of you here. They're the scientific version of Cheech and Chong. <laughs> Now, that show I would listen to. How does that make sense? That makes sense. You finally found a way in. (laughs) As long as we dumb it down to Cheech and Chong for me. (laughs) So, also, Ken Hall. Ken Hall. Chairman Ken Hall from the MHA Nation. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, from the Missouri River Resources. See, I did it again. Insulted him twice. So, on the way into the conference, I'm, I'm looking up, and I'm seeing this gentleman that I know I've interviewed before, and I said, Chairman Hall. And he said, yeah. How you doing? <laughs> and I look at we're kind of looking at each other like trying to trying to place it. Well, it's been four years, right? Okay, yeah. And, and was it face to face at the time since we've seen each other? All right, face to face. Okay. And I go and we're talking a little bit. He looks at me and he goes, "I think you're you got me confused with someone else." Mm-hmm. And I go, "No." I go, "You're Chairman Hall, aren't you?" And he goes, "No, that's my cousin, Tex Hall." I go, oh, that's right. I'm trying to act like I'm I'm not an idiot and play along. And I and I go and I go, weren't you at the uh, Mandaree Crestwood big Head Start fundraiser building? You know, mm-hmm. we we launched the new building and I I screwed up that one because that was that totally was not related. That different was a, memory. That, that was another Native American leader, which made me bury myself even more. Wow, you're just digging it in right now. So then I look at him. I said, no. I go, I just did the graphics, and I go, you're on my poster. I go, you are on my poster at the booth. I go, I sat and I interviewed you, and he looked at me, and he goes, well, you're the crude life. <laughs> and I go, well, you're somebody, Hall. <laughs> he goes, he goes well, pull I, up a microphone. He goes, I'm Ken Hall, chairman of the Missouri River Resources. I go, well, you are chairman. He goes, no, Jason. 
chairman is for the Native American tribe, right. the MHA Nason. That's my cousin. I would never claim to be chairman. He goes, right. I'm just chairman of the. I'm just chairman of the big yeah. oil company. Yeah. That's the sixth largest country well, in the world, according to oil reserves. But hey, that's that's the way the priorities shake down, right? Like, totally. And so again, I got humbled once again. First, educated first day walking didn't even make it into the conference yet walking outside and already offended the native americans well thanks for doing my part of screwing everything up because i couldn't be there to do it myself so we honored him with a mug an official mug nice but he had a blast oh he thought it was so cool he was bringing people by showing them the we had a big uh, three feet wide by uh, six feet eight feet tall of different people we've interviewed through the years. And he was one of them we put on there because he was a great interview because we have been telling the story about Native American empowerment, Mm -hmm. about how the reason they love, they, meaning Native Americans, the reason Native Americans love oil and gas is because it gives them the opportunity for empowerment, not a job. No, a job they can go get. What they can't get is empowerment, which is generational wealth. Yeah. The opportunity to hand on generational wealth. And they understand it has to start with a small business or a company. Yeah. Something sustainable. Something sustainable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether it's a trucking company, a flower shop. That's mm-hmm. what we talked about was how that oil company, he said, according to their reserves, and it depends on any given day, they're mm-hmm. between 18 and 25% of the bucket. Wow. Right. So oh, a big slice of that pie. So he said during one point when it was a certain price on a certain day, they were the eighth largest country in the world, Jeez. according to oil reserves. According to reserves. He goes, so they're a player. Yeah, absolutely. And now they got the president of Argentina calling them mm-hmm. because they ran into a little bit of a stopgap because there's a native indigenous tribe down there. And they're one of the leaders, along with the Southern Utes and the Seminoles mm-hmm. down in Florida. Well, Seminoles down in Florida figured out education, so they're way ahead of the curve. They, well, yeah, I mean, they figured yeah. out how to monetize and, and work with the uh, whites a long time ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but South America is now reaching out to them as a consultant. Really? Because they've been so progressive. Yeah, one of the things the average person doesn't know is that if you were to drill oil on a Native American land, because it's federal and overseen by the Bureau of Indian Affairs and the Bureau of Land Management, mm-hmm. it was a 49-step process. It would take six to nine to 12 months sometimes when you file the permit to actually drill. In North Dakota, it would take three days. It was a four-step process, three days, right. when you're dealing with private land. And of course, that's a little bit of a disadvantage mm-hmm. when you're trying to empower some people. Absolutely. And so Senator Hoven was really instrumental on, on streamlining that. Now they have, with the work of many other uh, uh, congressmen and senators and, and politicians across the United States, they have a one-stop shop in Denver. And making it easier to unlock that wealth. Totally. Yeah, yeah and, and passing it on. That so is awesome. We had that interview as well. And boy, we got on the deep end on a few places too because... Uh, we had an interview with a guy named, get this, Yale Preston. Yale Preston. Not Preston Yale, but Yale, Yale Preston. Preston. Bow tie wearing? You would think, but yeah, no. That's no. the picture I'm getting. Different kind of hippie. Okay, different kind of hippie. My kind of hippie. Your kind of hippie. So 
he does oil and gas consulting for one of the biggest, you know, the god, the godmother of the Bakken, Kathy mm-hmm. Nesset, Nesset Consulting. Okay. So you know, it's business mama. Business. So he's got a couple side hustles with his, <laughs> right. uh, with his, with his wife, and one of them is uh, mushrooms. They breed mushrooms. Wow. Right. So down in his basement, he breeds mushrooms, and then aquaponics too. What are aquaponics? Aquaponics is like hydroponics, but you incorporate fish and, and other animals, you know, and so you it becomes a permaculture system, Whoa, a sustainable like ecosystem. A little ecosystem. There. Totally. Wow. And then he and he's talking about how he went through the step process of how petroleum products and fossil fuels allow him to breed the mushrooms. Because mm-hmm. he uses basically a rubber made container mm-hmm. to keep them in. Petroleum. And then based. he just Yep. <laughs> and then he just barely a little crack over the ledge, so that much air mm. is the airflow, so it's damp, you know, and this yeah. and that. And then he puts on plastic gloves, and he reaches up to inoculate them and all this stuff. Yeah, apparently he's got to have sex. He's got se- a system, He's huh? got to have sex with the, yep. with the mushrooms. He's got to get his swerve on with the shrooms. <laughs> he said he inoculates them. I'm going... Oh, cousin Jimmy. Yeah. Well, so, you know, when I worked at cousin, a turkey plant, they didn't call it. They didn't did. call it that, man. Cousin Jimmy had to jack off the chickens yeah, or yeah. the roosters. No, or the, they give the you the turkey baster. Yep. yep. When we were kids, we made fun of cousin Jimmy because that was his job in Wilmer, Minnesota. Man. He had to inseminate turkeys. We call them the turkey jacker offer. <laughs> you know what's almost as bad as that job is the guy that's helping keep the turkeys stable because believe it or not the turkey's not all that thrilled about the process i prefer the uh walleye inseminator because there you use a turkey feather and just swimmel the eggs i know and the right? semen that's There's, all you do i know it's something you, it, it's like making a, a soup that's or all you got it's do. a bisque it's nothing <laughs> nothing else it's a turkey feather because of the softness and everything and that's it yeah you don't you don't have to uh it's so dispassionate so you gotta you gotta bring the love man or get into the bulls, it's a whole different deal. Yeah, now that we've gone on an interesting side tangent. It's got to be your bull. Okay. <laughs> First rule, make sure it's your bull. Yeah, apparently you can get in a lot of trouble. Also at a meeting with a TV station, by the way. Ooh. That's all I'm going to tease on that. Because See, I think you'd make a great anchor. We are at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> I'm thinking weatherman. We are going to... Uh, in LA, sunny, 76, sunny, 76. Okay. Steve Martin, all yep. right. I love that movie, <laughs> LA Story. LA Story, classic. Best part movie. of the movie, folks, LA Story, four way stop. Everybody's like, you go, no, you go. And then they all crash, they crash into each together. other because that's exactly how nice LA is. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in LA for a year, so I understood the humor yeah, behind that. Yeah, personifies LA, doesn't it? <laughs> no, we had uh, two meetings with. Uh, a television station. A television station. So, well, also there's an internet component. Okay. And a syndication component. Well, I hear the internet's really popular nowadays. It is projected to be a couple states to start. Okay. And there's going to be a third meeting now. So we had, I was, uh, I was approached. Mm-hmm. I had to end an interview, during an interview. Had to edit to go do a meeting. Yeah. Nice. That was unsolicited. Good. Actually, huh? that was pretty good. Yeah. It was. So they came up and they said that they've listened to the show for a while. They're very impressed and they want to turn it to the next level and put a video component to it and put it on a television. So we discussed times of the day, discussed a number of different things. And then the next day, the uh, owner of the station came and met with me. 
just to show how serious they were. Right. And we got the uh, green light to go to the next meeting, which could turn into a stop sign or uh, whatever. But hey, maybe hey, maybe get a lunch out of it. At you least. know as well as I. Yeah, our microphone's on. You know as well as I do that forward momentum is all you can ask for in today's day and age. Yeah. Because so many people are standing still, waiting for the government to tell them to go back to work. I think there's a lot of cruising on inertia. Waiting for slowing down. someone of authority to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. If you can keep moving ahead on your own inertia, your own momentum, yeah. your own volition. Ooh, these are some good words here, folks. I don't even have the, the thoracic. I was just going to say, it must be in your bathroom. <laughs> I can tell when he's been reading. I just turned that chair into the bathroom. <laughs> I barely caught that joke, but hey, we got to get to a commercial break here because we're way over on time, and I haven't even got through half the interviews yet. We didn't even talk about Jenica. I mean, Jenica, by the way. Well, that was kind of like the fact, crowning moment, man. She made the. She is the news. Yeah. She's the news. We were so, kind of teasing that. She got the first question at the press conference. Mm-hmm. She asked Mike Pompey about climate change. She is the news, folks. National news came right out. A little crude life. Because awesome. when I pulled it up, there were people that cited Mike Pompey in their stories. Mm-hmm. Pompeo. Pompeo. There Pompeo you are. again, didn't That's I? All right. hey, I got excited. Know. Mike Pompeo. You like the Greeks. All conference long. Not one time did I mispronounce the name. <laughs> minute I step away, I get a little relaxed. Screw up. <laughs> Not as bad as I screwed up at the conference, yeah. though. That's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness we didn't have that one live. Holy smokes. <clears throat> but we're going to talk about Jenica and just the fabulous fabulous job she did making national news coming up right here on the crude life morning show my name is jason spies that is sterling folks we'll be seeing a few minutes heard on the Crude Life Morning Show Play Hard, Work Hard is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, Check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, gam.ai.
The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The Crude Life, the most trusted voice in energy. On the phone, talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We are the oil and gas regulator, but we do pipelines and pipeline safety inspections for the state of Texas. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities. We have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It's an important part of what goes on in the state and safety is, is really important, obviously, to all of us. Absolutely. You know, the oil and gas industry has always been environmentally focused. I mean, of President Biden's administration that this is Obama-Biden 2.0 plus. And the rate at which we've seen the executive orders flying off the president's desk is taking America back, taking jobs back, and putting us in a detrimental position. But as the attorneys general for a number of states, we are pushing back. Um, from the Department of Transportation, that Permian, the Permian Basin has some of the um, most deadly roads of anywhere in the country. We average a fatality per day. That is absolutely unacceptable, and we need to do better. Uh, we just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. Welcome back to The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. I am Sean Forbes with TeamForbes.com and OGDirectory.com. Jason Spies is my co-host today. I went out there on my first rig move. And I was like, wow, I'm permitting all these loads, getting trucks going, load go, and I don't even know what half the stuff was. So when I finally got to go on the rig, I was like, wow, I was amazed. I was truly amazed of how this process is. No, I wasn't expecting any olive branch at all. Uh, the Democrat Party has decided that they don't like oil and natural gas, and uh, they were clear that they're going to go after us. I, I don't think that's any surprise. My name is Jenica, and today we get to talk with Amy Andrzak of the Interstate Natural Gas Association of Americas. Amy is the president and CEO. How are you doing today? I would say my my interest in this arena started more from an interest in politics and advocacy, more so than an interest specifically in the energy industry. Well, the first the, the first advice that I that I want to give is, ladies, put your clothes on, okay? If you want to be taken seriously, put your clothes on. 
which that's a whole other podcast topic. The funny thing, what I think sometimes is just really ironic. I'll, I used to pull into the office and I would see some of my colleagues driving electric cars and things like that. And I'm like, how do you work for a large oil and gas company? And <laughs> pull in an electric car. So, I mean, even us, I mean, even in our, in our circles, we can see that things are changing. Actually, you are on the money. Back in 2014 and 15, when we first started approaching our management team at Whiting, our reasoning for wanting to engage in ESG is that we had great stories to tell. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Morning show, play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. Manic or mellow Monday. Take we your pick. are the Crude Life Morning Show, along with Sean Forbes and Jenica Hauser. Starting to become soon quite a crew, be, man. You ready for this new soon to be? Yeah. What do we got? Another gentleman I interviewed, which I do believe aired two days ago. Maybe it's going to air tomorrow. <laughs> Your sense of time's a little slipped right now. A little bit because yeah. I'm still trying to get unpacked. <laughs> I'm not. I have not been unpacked yet, folks. From last week's. Why bother? You're getting ragged back on the road next week. So uh, Dustin Goverlow with the North Dakota Watchdog Network, mm-hmm. one of the scrappers out there. You know what I mean? Just every state has one. A fly, a gnat. That little annoyance to the government, mm-hmm. God bless them. That little irritant. Well, you got to have them. Yeah, that's how you get pearls. You, you have to. Let's if if those weren't around, there'd be nobody holding anybody accountable anymore. I mean, the media has been bought off for a long time. I'm a little fly, a little gnat. I get it. You know, Mayor Bakken and I were talking about this. He was a little fly. He was mm-hmm. a little gnat. Well, he figured out a way to become mayor. You know, and he's he's just, and that's why he's mayor, and I'm not. <laughs> well, there's the name might have something to do with it too, man. You know, well, he's also a little bit more. Uh, uh, he's a little bit more of a Libra than I am. Okay. I mean, I, I'm a diplomat because I'm a Libra, but he's very, he's got more patience. You have to in a leadership role like that, I imagine. I have a little too much passion. All right. I lead first with my heart, with my hippie, <laughs> and my capitalist comes second. Second. Hippie capitalist, if Hippie you will. capitalism. Anyways, Dustin Goverlow, North Dakota Watchdog Network. Uh, we're going to be a uh, in-kind sponsor. We're going to be helping him out by giving him a sponsorship because, you ready for this? Yeah, this is generous. He is going to, well, he's figured out that, you know, mobile office, okay, well, he's mm-hmm. single. Okay. He's at that point in his life where he's single now, and. Uh, he, he's been a Uber, a Lyft driver and an Uber eats delivery. Cause he, you know, as one of those fly in those gnats, yep. you know, you don't get the big government contracts. It's the gig economy for you right there. So you got to figure out three jobs every mm. now and then. So he's going to actually go to some, uh, high affluent cities like a Jackson hole, Wyoming. Yeah. Somewhere, Golden, in, somewhere in Idaho, where, Aspen, Pocatella, Colorado, maybe like an Aspen, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Southwest, West, okay. Tahoe, yeah. And he's gonna do Uber and Uber Eats and Lyft. And he got the idea mm-hmm. during one of the oil shows when, because uh, he's from Bismarck, he lives in Bismarck. 
And he was he was doing that. He was doing the. Uh, I, I believe he said he was doing Uber Eats, mm-hmm. and he doesn't do Uber Eats very much. But he had it and the whole Lyft thing, and the Ubers was slow, so he happened to turn it on, and he got some oil and gas folk that had Airbnb outside of town. Okay, it's like twenty miles outside of town. All right. They got like Applebee's or something like that, you yeah. know. Just well, you know, you're going for big food, right? You're going for a lot of food, right? So they ordered like 150, 200 bucks for the food. Nice. Well, they tipped him like 200 bucks. Nice. <laughs> and so he's going. Well, if I just went to Jackson Hole, uh-huh. where everybody yep. is like, when oil and gas comes to town in yeah. Bismarck all yep. the time. I thought that's genius. Yeah, that is really man. Because and, and that's the type of story we want to track. Absolutely. So go ahead. No, I just want. I, I was just going to say, doing my own food deliveries, you, you, it's a total crapshoot. You know. Well, that's right. You did food deliveries. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Well, you, you did it mostly during the winter months. Yeah, when during the, when your business got slow. Yeah, and especially during COVID, uh, you know, my business in real estate and construction and stuff like that basically took a nosedive. But everybody was at home and everybody wanted food. What was interesting to me is the first couple weeks sort of the main lockdown in this area, I was doing $100 wing orders and sushi orders all the time. Two weeks or so go by, it got a little bit more conservative. Yeah, People were ordering a pizza or a sandwich. You know, They weren't blowing that kind of money. But tips were all over the board. Some people were really happy that you were out there doing it. Other people, they didn't know where their next money was coming from. That was before Trump bucks and Biden bucks got out. So, I did notice that they start on the 20% tip now. On the suggestion, yeah, I think they've a lot of the um, like it Uber. wasn't that way a while. No, it didn't it started at fifteen or even yeah. ten. And I know that some people have had you know where you basically you're getting charged two or three times. So I I do think that's going to backfire. Yeah, I do too. When they have the delivery fee and then you got a tip on top of it and then they got a service fee on top. Mm-hmm. There's like four or five different fees on top of the tax. Right now, I've read that that because there was an article I read just recently that was talking about that is that the fees associated with that don't make a lot of sense versus you going out and just picking it up from the restaurant yourself. Mm-hmm. But at least right now, it's the market is healthy for it. There's a lot of call for people that want to get stuff just delivered and they're willing to pay that extra charge. Well, I don't think it's sustainable, though. It's turning out to where there's, there's no other option for delivery. Mm-hmm. Like some of the former places that used to have their own delivery drivers, they don't anymore. Well, for them, it was I imagine it was quite a bit of overhead because they probably had to have uh, their own type of insurance to cover the delivery driver. If they didn't have their own vehicles, they had yeah. to, you know. So parsing it out or, you know, with a third party is a great idea, but then it becomes... I don't know. You get all these fees. Well, I would imagine like the Chinese place and the pizza place. Okay, so you got you got Pizza Hut, mm-hmm. Domino's that still have a pretty well established established mm-hmm. distribution system. Yeah, Chinese place, the same thing. Well, yeah, you know those are those are the outside of that you didn't have much delivery. No, I think at Jimmy John's or something like that. Maybe. I mean, just some obscure sub yeah. places that would deliver. Dude, but, I had people send me to the mall for five cookies. Yeah, okay, n- so. now it's getting ridiculous. And I bring up the example all the time that, you know, here my buddy, my friend, here my son sends out, you know, a soda from Casey's General Store to his friends because he's got free delivery on Postmates. <laughs> and I didn't even know what Postmates was. I've never even heard of that one. Yeah, it's probably the Betamax of... <laughs> so the, d- the good one, but not the one that's going to win. It was the first one. <laughs> oh, okay. You know? Yeah. 
That type of thing. The Tesla the te- of, of energy. <laughs> Ooh, that's a bad term. You can't even say Tesla without anybody thinking it's Nikola Tesla. Tesla. No. The Russian, right? The original. No, no. People. Ma- Musk has taken it over. Yeah. Saturday Night Live officially took over Tesla. Appropriated. So. <laughs> well, Jenica was the MVP of the Williston Basin Conference in terms of news. I'm serious. So a lot of stuff. Well, Doug Burgum probably was, to be honest, because Doug Burgum announced that uh, North Dakota must be carbon neutral by 2030. Mm-hmm. And then in the next sentence said, but we can be carbon negative. So when I'm interviewing Dustin Goverlow at 9 o'clock at night mm-hmm. in my hotel room. Did you ask for some clarification because, on that? Because his job is to get extremely upset about Doug Burgum's comments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good that everybody's got a job. I'm reading the press release in real time. Because I was so busy, I hadn't really read much of it. I skimmed it. Mm-hmm. I got kind of, well, you know how I get. Oh, yeah. You little know work, how little when, worked when, up? Well, when they start using the linguistic manipulation, that pisses me off. Yeah. Because it's on purpose. And it's, Go- it's and, parsing and, words. And Governor's thing is that uh, Governor Burgum's playing both sides. Mm-hmm. I don't, and, and I was like actually pointing out. This is a real-life example of what you're talking about, Dustin, because anybody who says we have to be here carbon neutral by 2030 and we don't even have a plan and it's nine years away mm-hmm. and then is already planting the seed that, but we can be carbon negative. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's like, that's, that's just platitudes yeah at that point it's that uh, it's gonna suck but we'll be really good at sucking right i mean that you th- that is something that you do to eighth graders mm-hmm. you don't do that if you're in state government and so governor and i were trying to call it out but you know the more i was thinking is that you know we're around that 40 year old age right Cynical. maybe we're the minority now well, that people be. just want to be platituded too mm-hmm. they, they just want to be told everybody gets a trophy and everybody's fine and you can retake a test till you get an a it's well, the steamed hams man everybody's got their own reality and they accept it it's bizarre but so jenica ends up asking by the way she got the first question at the press conference that's awesome and the reason she got the first question was because she asked she came to me. She was all excited, just like, you know, and I, I felt like a dad. Yep. <laughs> felt like a dad. <laughs> well, hey, that's half the battle. Show up. And so she was t- describing how there was this pause. They asked for questions. Mm-hmm. And she went in. This was her first press conference. <laughs> okay. Keep in mind, she's already landed Christy Craddock, the railroad commissioner. Yeah. She's already landed the attorney general from Arkansas and broke the news that they were going to be a sue in the government. A month later, mm-hmm. it became news. So she's already ahead of the curve getting the interviews. Mark Gordon from uh, Wyoming, all kinds of different things. Oh, she gets right? down into the weeds of this stuff. I mean, she's... Right. So first question, climate tax. Mm-hmm. Gets him on record on climate tax. He says it's bad for America. Mm-hmm. Mike Pompeo says it's bad for America, the climate tax. So... I was happy. Yeah. I don't even know what she asked in the second question. <laughs> Doesn't matter even, at that point. Haven't even listened yet. Well, you want to be surprised sometimes. So she did a fabulous job. She, and she got 
15 other interviews and she told me all the names and speakers and 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 I was just more excited for her energy than anything, you know, cuz they're doing fabulous work. I'm glad I'm on the on the play hard side of this, frankly, cuz I could not keep up. That I think you would have probably left. You would have been like <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure they would have let me in. Actually, they wouldn't they have probably <laughs> You've been to Saudi Arabia. They would have let you in, man. <laughs> no, they would have been like, no, sir, you can clean out the trash cans when everybody's gone. 8% chant, Manchurian candidate, don't let him in. Oh, man, I'm on the inside. Well, we should probably do some other news. But So, you know, Crude Life makes news again. Jenica makes some news. But uh, we should probably do some of the other news that's news. out there, according to Yahoo and Google and the other mainstream, the well, lamestream media. Is that what it's still called? The lame, as my son calls it. Uh, is that the lamestream media? I love how we've all gotten so witty. So this is from the Midland <laughs> Excuse Reporter. Excuse me. I didn't realize snarky <laughs> and sarcasm has become witty. Continue. <laughs> well, that was the sarcasm right oh, wait, there. Let me get the news sounder here. <laughs> so this is a headline from Midland Reporter Telegram. House passes Craddock's HJR 82 to fund Grow Texas. <laughs> Legislation that would generate revenue for energy producing areas passed the Texas House on Wednesday and is headed to the Senate. House Joint Resolution 82, co-authored by State Rep. Tom Craddock, passed overwhelmingly Wednesday. The item brings state money generated by oil and gas production back to the Permian Basin and other energy-producing hotbeds. These funds would be returned to where they originated to make improvements to expand roads, invest in infrastructure needed in the energy-producing areas. And this is all according to well, a press release. that's an interesting angle right there, Absolutely. by the way. This is from Craddock's no, office. No, um, back up. What was that investment in the roads part? Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, so they're bringing that money back so that they can invest in expanding roads and infrastructure needed in those energy-producing areas. So as two things I want to do here. Number one, uh, Jenica, Christy Craddock, and Tracy Bentley. She's the CEO of the Permian Strategic Partnership. So she's not in the story, but she is in the new montage we're going to debut here on The Crude Life after this segment, actually. As soon as the segment done, we, is we have a new montage where it's all women. Mm-hmm. And Christy Craddock is in it. Leslie, I'm sorry, not Les, Leslie Rutledge with the um, Attorney General from Arkansas. But Tracy Bentley, mm-hmm. she's talking about the roads, how there's a fatality a day, yeah, a day in the Permian. In the Permian you Permian. heard that. Remember I that? I did. Yeah, so, it stood out. Yeah. So I, I bring it up because of that. And then, yeah. of course, Jenica, because she's just kicking ass. Tattoos all over the place, too. I love it, man. Right? Tattoos all over the place. Getting the first question with the potential presidential candidate of the United States. God dang, I love the crude life, baby. That's awesome. That is the crude life, you know? I didn't even think about that. He's a potential candidate. Yeah. Oh, he's the forefront runner right now. Besides Trump. Yeah. Yeah. So this. So the the point is, though, the states are going to have to invest in roads Mm -hmm. because if the federal government is going to invest more into electric vehicles and give more money to Elon Musk in Austin, Texas. And the state is now going to have to use Austin, Texas money from the rest of the state to invest in roads that the Mm -hmm. feds were maybe supposed to invest in. Do you see what I mean? This might create some some civil state 
issue. Well, it looks like what they're trying to do is basically go around that. So this, this that's what would, I mean. The state, but the state's yeah. going to have to put money into roads because you got to invest in roads. You absolutely do. Otherwise, people die. Apparently, this fund does not create or raise taxes. Rather, it secures existing state revenue paid by oil and gas severance taxes for specific, but, excuse me, reinvestment in Right, roads. but that means that it was going to be allocated somewhere mm-hmm. or somebody had some idea with that money. And so they're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. We can't. We're not, we, got, we can't rely on anybody else. That means the funds are going to Elon Musk. Well, in a lot of ways, this, this makes a lot of sense is because they're better placed to understand the infrastructure that they need. Or NDSU's entrepreneur program. Right. Jeez, I could do a lot with that $4 billion. I got more on that, by the way. Do you? We'll talk about that with our leadership okay, series. that still kind of chaps me. Oh, you wait. You wait till you hear what I found uh, out. All right, so they're calling on. this GROW. And uh, Okay, what is this nauseating acronym? Generate Reoccurring Oil Wealth for Texas wait, Fund or GROW. Well, there's a T in there. So they didn't want to do growth. Why not? That was kind of guarding I, I, the galaxies, right? Well, it's Groot. Why not growth? Throw an H on That's there. What you I can always too. find something with an H in it. Just put hello. Yeah, yeah. Well, how does that go? What, what is that? Read that at the Generate end. Generate recurring oil wealth for Texas. Hello. Or you could do say Hermosa, Hermosa, which is beautiful. Who doesn't like a Hermosa, right? No, that's a mimosa. Oh, see, I was thinking, yeah. Hermosa is something. Of a word that I happen to know that works very well south of the border. Okay. Hola, Hermosa. That means hello, beautiful. Oh, wow. You end up in jail after saying something like that. <laughs> at, least, at least beat up. <laughs> so staying in the area. Although the ones who slap you for the females, that's kind of a turn on for Jason Space. I thought you had to pay extra for that. They punch too. I like that. <laughs> so this is coming from Investor Village. This is talking about BP. BP wants to stop burning off gas in America's top oil field. Yeah, I want to do stuff too. BP PLC has been one of the companies most responsible for the burning uh, of new, unwanted new story? natural gas. Yeah. Okay. Well, you gotta let me know. I did. <laughs> You're still thinking about south of the border stuff, man. I think you need another vacation. You know what I'm worried about is you're going to drive to Texas and you're going to just keep going. I just spent a week in the hotel. Yeah. And I was by myself every night. I've got a few things on my mind right now. (laughs) Let's get to that new news story, if you don't mind. All right. So we're talking about BP. In fact, the only person that was in my room was a man. Who's going to go on the lamb and go deliver food to a bunch of rich people all over the country? And we're going to check in with them once a week <laughs> just to find out your life's going that direction. Let's yeah. check. It's he's going to be like the zoo, right? Oh, man. Totally, well, totally. Actually, I, mean, I don't know. He might have it all figured out. He's got freedom, so he's getting a place in Idaho Sorry, for gra- the month. Right, grab a studio for four hundred bucks. Sure. 750 square feet. Yeah, you need a but place it, to sleep and wake up. But he's just, just going to go be a you know, nature bum during the day mm-hmm. and then go deliver food at night or whatever, or just go deliver food whenever it calls. Right, yeah. Genius, though, because if you're driving at 20, 30 miles out of town, you're guaranteed a $50 tip. You better hope so, man. It's kind of like when I figured, okay, I used to work at a greasy spoon. Mm-hmm. I, oh, man, I'd work a double shift, 12 hours. Slinging omelets all day, man. Oof. Coming home smelling like... Grease. Yeah. Just grease. Right. You got a layer of that on you. Yep. Oh, when I worked at a Mexican restaurant, coming home smelling like cumin for a week. 
Now, see that I could deal with easier than no, the man, the rancid it's, grease. It's, it's a horse a piece at that. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's a burrow a piece. I'm right. telling you, right? So, <clears throat> damn it! I'm still a joke and I lose myself. <laughs> so when I figured it out, was I work a double shift at the Greasy Spoon. And I make 70 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And that was like huge back in the day. Back in the 90s, that was huge yeah, money. money, man. Oh, yeah. Well, people used to say if you could make $50, and mm-hmm. then it became 100 you know, by the end of the Keeps 90s. Keeps going up. Beginning of the 90s, if you could make $50 a day, that was big money. Mm-hmm. Then it was $100 a day, that was big money. And then yeah. it's, yeah, that's laughable now. But when I worked at a fine dining place, after the greasy spoon, I felt like a chump. <sighs> I would literally wait on three tables that did not even want me around. Oh, Didn't man. want to talk to me. Yep. Nothing. Yep. Just fill up the water, monkey, and go. Yeah, and go. Right? Yeah. Here's $100. Okay. I would wait on three tables over two hours mm. and make $250, right? I could be quiet for that. I'd go work my ass off, get yelled at, get, oh, kids spitting drinks at me, drawing pictures with stink lines coming out of me. <laughs> Here's a quarter. Yeah. You know, that's if that. But you work 12 hours, you make 70 bucks and think it's great, right? Then yeah. you work, anyway. Well, it's all about where you're at. It's your perspective, man. It's context. <laughs> I don't even know how we got on that story. Me neither, but I liked it. Something to do with news. Let's get back to the All news. right, get back to the BP. So they want to stop burning off gas. <laughs> <laughs> this coffee. Did you put something in this coffee this morning? Or am I just on jet lag? Nah, man, that's just whiskey. So, I, I texted Sean Forbes, by the way, after Friday when we got back. She just texted, how you doing? And I said, I hit the couch. I haven't moved in two hours. <laughs> I am officially old. <laughs> like, this is time to recharge and then i just put teams yes because you know when usually when you go to trade shows teams put things together Mm -hmm. teams yeah crude life isn't quite to teams level yet but we're getting there getting there man you had you had back up there no we did oh so grateful so great. Absolutely. All right. What else we got? All right. So the British oil giant plans to spend about $1.3 billion to build a massive network of pipes and other infrastructure to collect and capture natural gas that's produced as a byproduct from the wells in the Permian Basin of Texas and New Mexico. It's going to eliminate routine flaring of natural gas in the oil field by 2025. BP's investment reflects the growing pressure big oil companies face from regulators, investors, and buyers of natural gas to reduce fossil fuels' carbon footprint and contribute to climate change. So they're pledging to reinvest themselves as a cleaner energy company, saying it will let its oil and gas fuel production fall 40% by 2030 and ultimately sell more renewable energy than oil while reducing its net carbon emissions to zero. Well, I would say that BP is by far in the forefront of the climate change oh, yeah. transition. Yeah, they're they're basically they're committing to that. You know, they're saying that we're going to be producing oil and gas for decades, but it'll be a certain kind of oil and gas. But I would say that if you if you were to go out and talk to the average person, they'd probably say BP is probably the most progressive. Which is ironic because they had the spill. They had the spill. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you know, and Exxon's what thirty years removed. Late, from what, late from 80s, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The drunk guy. Yeah, 
And um, hey, tipsy. <laughs> it's just when you're tipsy with a you know seven hundred thousand ton. Was he drunk or was that a joke? Uh, I forget. I think it was something. Was, was that Letterman? I'd have to look it up. Was that Jay Leno? I do think there Johnny was something Carson. There. there was some incompetence. In I think there might have been too. Yeah. 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 Anyway, but I got I got to give credit to BP to be honest. Changing the color, changing the the name from British Petroleum to BP, mm-hmm. and then starting the underground rumor. And I don't know if it was an ad campaign or it was an underground rumor, but beyond petroleum, mm-hmm. that's what BP stood for, right? According to you know some urban legend, right? Yeah. I don't. Either way, I've heard it so many times. Genius that if that's the case, that is brilliant. And even if dude, it wasn't when you started, by you them, started with seagulls covered in oil. Yeah, you. Oh, you. I mean that. You can't get much lower than that. Well, Outside talk about changing the conversation. Did with the dapple. Sure. You know, number yeah. what are they, number two on the FBI's hate crime? I think so. Well, I, what, I wonder about Floyd, by the way, with Minneapolis, if that changed anything. I do know that uh, Ellingson, uh, Attorney General of Minnesota, mm-hmm. he's, he was very quick to say that we do not want to label it a hate crime, mm-hmm. which I found interesting. Much like the guy in Colorado didn't want to, the sheriff in Colorado oh, didn't God. want to, yeah, uh, yeah. the spray painting of yeah. the pipelines. Yeah. He didn't want to label it a domestic terrorist. Because it sets off a whole totally. new thing. And that's why, when I thought of that, because when I did a story on pipelines in 2019, it, it became to my attention that the DAPL pipeline ended up on the FBI hate crime list. I didn't know that. And um, I guess I knew that, but it didn't register because mm-hmm. I didn't want it to. <laughs> it's just a little denial there. Gee, there's a little bias in my journalism there, huh? <laughs> now I'm on the play hard side. What the heck? So. Well, you know, with with somebody like with BP, it's it's remarkable how they've been able to change the conversation over that last decade, right? Because you go from that right. spill from them helping lubricate the Gulf of Mexico to being really the forefront of at least out in front of saying it, you know, hey, we're setting these goals. What I kind of like about what you I hear coming out of them is at least acknowledging the fact, yeah, we're going to be doing oil and gas for decades. We're just trying to find a way that's more efficient to do it as we transition to other things. So at least you kind of get a sense of where they're coming from. It's the people that two months ago before the carbon pricing came out were like, we'll never, ever, ever accept carbon pricing. And they knew it was coming. Come back to that in just a second because I want to plug Coming up after this, the debut of bum, bum, bum. the new montage, which has a BP employee, Miss mm-hmm. Dumas, awesome. where she talks about how it, and this was, uh, Jenica scored this interview. Mm-hmm. Of course, she got BP. This is a young and up and coming. They won't even. Working in BP. BP won't return my emails, <laughs> but uh, Jenica right to the top. We got so, to figure out what it is that you're doing that keeps them happy and keep doing that so they keep making good stuff for you. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm hiring people like Jenica and Sean Forbes. Well, no, that's what I'm saying is we got to make keeping them you, happy. Keeping you away keeping from the conference. Keeping them happy. Yeah, just keep me away from the I'm good for coming in setting the stuff up. Hey, man. you're the token Saudi guy. We'll get you down to the Aramco Brats and everything will be fine. We'll just, you know, whatever. No, uh, uh, she talks about coming up next. How people are driving electric electric cars at BP, mm-hmm. 
And that struck me as funny. And yeah. So we threw it in the montage yeah. just to show you the diversity of conversations we're having here. But well, and she says it's a, it reflects the changing of even that culture. Mike Summers, API. Summers, he was there. He was there. He was there. Did you get to talk? He was there. No. He wouldn't come. No. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? No, I'm not kidding. he kept away from you? I, oh, he wouldn't come on. Yeah. He No, he wouldn't come on. Really? He was invited on. He wouldn't come on. Ooh. So, no, I, okay. Uh, oh, Who's I'm, afraid oh, of the big bad Jason? So, I've told you that there's a certain group of people in North Dakota that will not inter- ever interview with me again. Yeah. Right? Because I asked too many questions. Yeah. Not... I asked the wrong questions. I asked the right questions. No, people have actually said you ask too many questions. I asked too many questions. They don't like follow-ups. Yeah. Okay? So I started asking people about climate tax. Well, turns out there were some people that I interviewed mm-hmm. that had some influence more than I did, than I, with a certain group of people. And they were in an, in an intimate setting. Okay. With Mike Summers. Was it like heart-shaped bed, mirrors on the ceiling? Or and they, just they said, that? you have to go on the crude life. The crude life, you have to get on there and interview with him. He'd like that. And nope. 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 Get- <laughs> nope. 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 Well, you should be you know, flattered. I was At least flattered. you must be on the radar, right? <laughs> Even if I wasn't, I am now. Now you are. Now I yeah. am. Oh, I thought. And I looked at him and I go, wait, you said my name? Yeah. And he goes, hey, oh, all right. I got rejected. All right. Woo! Woo! I don't remember the last time I've been so happy about being rejected. By a guy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I can pretty much cite those. Yeah. But yeah, Actually, you know, uh, you, that was the thing I was, you know, talking about is it, at least BP is seeming to be pretty upfront about what their their agenda and what their ideology going forward is. But these these other companies that knew this stuff was coming down the pipe, I'm talking mainly about the lobbyist groups. I mean, I mean what are they getting paid for? They must have known this was going to be coming. I brought this up. I said, "Listen. All I want to know is that why people are not coming out for it, against it, or kicking the can. Yeah. That's it. Like, I, I don't care. I'm just curious why no one is what I would consider the largest tax in the history of the planet. If a carbon tax goes through, this will literally be the biggest tax on the history of the planet. Well, yeah, because that's Every how you fuel thing. society. Everything is impacted. Yeah. A sales tax, you have to actually go buy something. Mm-hmm. That's not clothes or food. Right. Some places tax clothes, some places don't. Some places don't even have sales tax. Yeah. Do you know that? Arizona I've, doesn't I've have a sales tax? i lived in many states that don't yeah. have sales how does, tax. Yeah. How does Arizona not have a sales tax? How do you not have a sales tax? I mean, that's the first tax, isn't well, it? Well, you find a different way to tax your base. I know, but okay, so property tax. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody owns property. It's a retirement mecca. That's probably how they get away with it. But carbon is the building block of life. Well, it's basically like putting a tax on oxygen. I mean, it really is. That's what I'm saying. It's, it is. It's, it's an integral part of daily life. It's maybe not as extreme, and I'm not trying to be dramatic by saying it, but no, it's it's not. just as integral to life. So right. yeah. <gasps> like space balls? Oh, Dridia? That's where right. you start getting the canned oxygen. You got to start, you know, are we going to get to that pretty soon? Yeah. But 
when I bring it up like that, you know, this is That's funny. <laughs> possibly the largest tax and the most important tax in the history of the planet. And I don't think I'm being overdramatic. Well, certainly in this country. No, I think of the planet. No, but I, I mean, I'm not debating the, the, the impact of the tax, but in this country, the idea that we were going to embrace a carbon tax was, I mean, to just, it, what was so shocking to me was when it was announced and API went along with it, there wasn't. This oh, big dude! I uproar. There wasn't. I it was had just my, more like, oh yeah. I had my brass That's Tuesday. I had my brass balls out at this conference. <laughs> I had cojones the size of grape grapefruit. That's what I'm hearing in the background okay. of those interviews. Clanging I, I together. did, man. Yeah, the, I, the, I'm serious because I was asking these questions to people that probably didn't want to get it. No, but not. when you start thinking about it, a climate tax is literally. The most important tax in the history of the planet. And when it just got rolled out, like, what do you call it? A fait accompli? Mm-hmm. It just assumed that it's done. You know, what's funny is that both sides of this would say the exact same thing, that it's the most profound thing, because either but, but, side but to, of this argument is But to not at it have it be in the public narrative, yeah. to not have it dominate the 24-hour news cycles, to not have it dominate the local conversation, to not have your state organizations that you pay dues to to keep tabs as leaders not issue a, we're for it, we're against it, we kick the can. Yeah, well, it's like paying union dues all the time, and then you get fired by the union. So I did ask, do you think people are afraid of API? Yeah. I did ask that. To some people of authority on record, I wouldn't think so anymore. But that's some that's a ballsy question to ask. In well, my yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, for them, well, because that's the unspoken stuff. You're saying right. the quiet part out loud. So there, there was some uh, elephant in the room talk going mm-hmm. on, and of course, you want that, you need yeah. that, and that's why people love the crude life. To be honest, I couldn't believe all the people that came up to the booth and said they listen every day. Holy shit. I was surprised beyond belief. Really? I thought it was really just and my the mom. Women, the women that listen to this show. Well, that makes sense. Did you though. know a woman came up to me and gave me a sticker that said Silver Fox? <sighs> yeah, he showed me that. Oh, I want. I, I just want to go back and just bask in the uh, attention I was mm-hmm. getting. Oh. Yeah, luxuriate. To come well, back. next time we'll take a, uh, a deck chair for you and you can just lay out in front of the... Uh, the, the tent while Jenica does all the work with Sean. Well, when you live in Fargo and you get eggs thrown at you because you work in oil and gas, that's what happens, you know? You get, what, do you get the nose wrinkle? Yeah. The nose wrinkle, yeah. Do we get another news story, by the Yes, way? we do. And this one is in the probably the most important story of the day, at least from my point of view. I mean, do we need to do the news sounder again? No, I mean, this is, this is coming. So coming up on Netflix, and of course Netflix is, you know, basically controls all of us now. With binge watching. So, Masters of the Universe, He-Man. Hello? He-Man, I got your attention now, yes. didn't I? Go Masters on. of the Universe, Revelation. So, Kevin Smith of Clerks fame, and of okay. course, he's done some other movies, Dogma and You've lost other. me now with Revelations know, right? and Kevin Smith. I like Kevin Smith. He is But I don't like on... anybody messing with He-Man. Well, the there's, some, there's some early... powerful man in the universe. There's some early pictures. They're looking pretty cool. So it's an official title. First look at Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe animated series, serving as a follow-up to the classic cartoon show that was popular in the 1980s, which, despite what everybody says, was not 40 years ago. The new series has been officially titled as Masters of the Universe Revelation. 
They're going to be introducing a new toy line too, man. So no, I know, right? I don't want to. I don't want to. Same characters? What Are they going to like do new new characters or? No, it looks like it's it's embracing the original mythology of He Man, right? Okay. So still an Eternia. Still an Eternia. You've got your Prince Adam. You've got your Tila. You've got your your. Uh, Is he still going to wear sorceress? Pink? In fact, I'm looking at a picture right now where he is wearing, I wouldn't say it's the uh, 80s pink, not the day glow, burn your eyes out of your head pink. fuchsia, is it? This is more of a... Chartreuse? Lazy burgundy. Oh. (laughs) I just made that up, but actually the animation looks cool. Cabernet wine, maybe, color? Dude, I see see Evil Lynn here. I see Orko. Evil Lynn was kind of hot. She was, well, you know, I I mean... brunettes. That was the thing. If you had He-Man toys and you had the girl toys, they were the exact same mold, just painted different colors. I don't think I've ever spent a week in the hotel by myself. It seems to have affected you. See, if you'd had some He-Man to well, watch, you would have been fine, man. Said it out loud like I did and realized the only person in my room was a man. So Kevin Smith says, night. hold on, this is going to help you. Please. Kevin Smith says, narratively, our show is set up as the next episode in the legacy of the 80s animated series that aired from 1983 to 1985. This is a continuation of, new stories about bartenders of that story. that are gonna and gonna and gonna. Gonna and gonna and gonna? I want something that happened. I want, I want some facts. <laughs> well, it's coming out, man. All right, what's going on with this advertisement known as a news story? You'll like it, too. Mark Hamill is Skeletor. Alicia Silverstone Are you is- serious? I'm serious. Mark Hamill? Yep, Sarah The voice of uh, Skips from Regular Show? Yeah. He's done some other things, too. What else? Um, He's Luke Skywalker. Oh, that. Yeah. He was the Joker in the Batman animated series. Anybody knows him from... He was in that Simpsons episode where he he, he played a movie star with a light sword. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Luke Sky Skipper. Sarah Michelle Geller. That's Buffy, if anyone doesn't know. She's Tila. Has not aged, but she's like the female version of Bob Clark. Oh, man. Clark. Her, her and her husband, uh, what is his name, Freddie Price, Price? They, they, they look like they just get out of like preservation jars every day. Seriously, don't they? Freddie Prince hasn't engaged, aged either. He no. just dye his hair. I, I don't begrudge him that. I, I'm just curious, where are the wrinkles, man? How does he keep the collagen there? Do you know where Freddie Prince Jr. works? Taco Bell? No, WWF, really? WWE. That's right. World Wrestling Entertainment. He's employed as like one of the creative minds. That's right. Yeah, he was for a long time. Well, I remember reading with him just off the cuff that he he was he didn't want to be an actor anymore. He wanted to do other stuff. Oh, I would have done the same thing after right. if you I would have made it a couple you times. Got the money and found out Ashton Kutcher. Same thing. Found out. Oh. Wait, I can produce and just go to all the parties and not have to deal with the people knowing who I am? Absolutely, I'll do that. Why do you think I stay on the radio? You're just looking for that that buyout. I don't have very many pictures of myself on social media. They're going to have Stinkor. Oh, they are? Yeah. And Lena Headley, who played the... Oh, Suckor, the leech. The uh, Cersei in the Game of Thrones. She was the evil queen. She's going to be evil Lynn. They don't mention Leecho. They do miss Wait a minute. Justin Long as Roboto. This is not going to be a cartoon? It is a cartoon. They're doing all the voices. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. You gotta, you'll have to see the pictures. What do you mean, Roboto? You remember him? He was the robot. No. Yeah. Roboto? Yeah. You don't remember Roboto? We're going to have to take this off air, folks. This is just embarrassing. Okay. Well, I remember <laughs> He-Man, of course, and I remember 
lot of other things. Anyway, but okay, well. I think what we really need to talk about now that we're done with the news is uh, what it's like to spend a week in a hotel alone. Because I think you need to talk about this. Well, I will tell you what. I will talk about this. Good. Well, one night. Actually, something fun did happen. Okay. Are you ready for this? I am. It was a bloody merry morning. Blue eyes cried in the rain. I took the last train to Georgia. Standing in the rain. I woke up on a diesel track. heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. And if Willie does it, it can't be bad. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. It can't be bad. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard. It's sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, Check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, gam.ai. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies, Sean Forbes with us, and today we've got Blue Hulsey with Continental Resources, Government, Regulatory Affairs, as well as HSE. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Jason. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining us, Sean. How are you doing today? I'm great. I just had some lunch. It was a long lunch line. 
but it was a long lunch line and yeah. actually yeah, the, but it went very quickly yes and it was the the unions you talk about uh, something that's kind of cool is the the partnership that the oil and gas industry has with our union partners um, and, and inviting them every year and they always cook out does such a great job um, yeah it was exciting to see those guys and you, you know how, how excited they are to be here and they're they're making friends and it's just a, a great oh, atmosphere they're smiling faces yes they I are. was going to say I love how personable they are yeah mm-hmm. it, it's the first thing you see in the first people you meet when you walk in yeah and there they are just greeting you away smiling and you got that smell <laughs> yeah i thought that was originally the smell of uh, the wilson basin petroleum conference because every year that's the way it smells like it's wonderful <laughs> well how's the conference going for you you know jay it's just a, it's a fantastic it's just fantastic to be here to be honest with you um you know oklahoma has been um opened up pretty uh pretty uh normal now um but but we still haven't had these large meetings and uh, i'll tell you what our industry's had a had a really tough tough year um, but we're coming out of it uh, we're uh, uh, we're making it uh, making it uh, making it as an industry and it's good to really talk through with other folks that are doing the same and uh, really talking about how we're going to grow what does 2021 look like uh, what does the industry look like obviously we've got some uh, some uh, issues on the federal side that we're we're dealing with and um, it, those are much better to deal together and figure out how we're going to get get through this uh, I love this industry and love the people in it and uh, when you don't get a chance to see them and talk face to face um you know I'm, I'm done with zoom meetings i don't want to do anymore and this is a it's nice to be just really nice to be here sean that might be the theme of this conference <laughs> is i'm done with teams i'm done with zoom i want to feel the flesh of somebody's hand again i want to see their eyeballs right I think i've gotten I, so many nice business cards <laughs> yes well i think it's it's energy yeah. and not only do we work in the energy industry but people have energy in yep. person and we've missed we've missed a lot of that. That's right. Take 100%. the three of us right here. We're playing off each other's energy. Yeah. And we had a conversation earlier with a gentleman who's got amazing energy, right? And he was complaining about the team in the Zooms. Yeah. And I could say, well, for someone like you, your energy is your gift. Yeah. You're an infectious energy type person. Right. You're the type of person sales wants in the right. room, you yeah, know? That's right. As opposed to, and we brought up Toby from the office, yeah. the HR. <laughs> He's just a natural downer, yeah. you know? There's, yeah. Unfortunately, that's his skill, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so good for you, HR. Yeah, you that's found right. It. Yeah. But uh, talk to me a little bit about the theme, some of the vibe that you're hearing from people. Is it the Zoom stuff? <laughs> Is it, uh, what was uh, Ken Hall? Ken Hall, Ken Hall from uh, the Missouri yeah. River yeah. Resources. He said it was uh, strength in numbers and partnering up and teamwork and that sort of thing. Are you hearing any sort of centralized theme in any way outside of what Governor Burgum dropped earlier in the whole ESG movement? You know, I, I think the the theme of this is the the and, and Harold said it, um, and and I, I think it's the the rumor of our demise is greatly over exaggerated um, because I, I just don't think I think the oil and gas industry in this country in this state is strong I think it's going to be strong for a long time I think we're going to need oil and gas you know you you, you still talk to people and they they get caught up in these movements and um, they they think well we're going to be we're not going to be using oil and gas in a few years and it's just not the case um, and and I think we need to we need to be uh, confident in our industry we need to do things right we need to do things clean um, and, and those those great things that are coming through those ESG programs, 
they, you know, it, it, when we, we can do ESG and be profitable at it. And, and, and that's, that's how those movements are going to sustain, quite frankly. Um, and, and so those types of things, plus the fact that we're going to be using lots of oil and gas, um, I, think, I think this is, needs to be, it is an uplifting conference for me because you're around people who are investing their lives in this business. Um, and, and so that we're not having to get, get energy from foreign sources. We're not fighting wars for energy. And we're going to get it right here in North Dakota and continue for a long time. All right, I got one tough question for you since you're government regulatory affairs because this is this is a real problem here. Is um, how do we educate? How do we get it to that point? How do, how do we move to that next level? Because let's be honest here, eighty to ninety-five percent of what we use on a daily basis requires oil and gas. That's right. So even having that conversation is kind of ridiculous. Uh, I feel like I'm talking to my eight-year-old at yeah. times because they just they're living in a different world that they don't understand certain things. It's very difficult to have that conversation. Have you guys figured out a way to do that with some of the elected leaders? <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you, you're really lucky here in the state of North Dakota because many of your leaders get it. I mean, the governor, obviously, uh, Brent Sanford is, uh, I would say Brent Sanford's one of the leading uh, elected officials in the country as far as the oil and gas Agreed. association. He's so good. Um, and, and not just... He just knows the he knows the the subject and and so um, I, I think you've got uh, you're really lucky. I, I will tell you one of the things that we've done in Oklahoma. We have an Oklahoma Energy Resource Board, um, and, and a lot of those uh, those programs uh, do educate kids and educate teachers. We're doing that here at the North Dakota Petroleum Council, doing uh, Teacher Education Day, um, talking about the the use of STEM uh, in in our rigs and what what uh, uh, how kids you know. Um, how kids can translate the use of uh, really uh, automatronics and all of the things, the, the amazing technology that's in this business. You don't have to be in computers. You can be in energy and still be in technology. And it's those things that we need to be talking to our young people about. If, look, this is not a dying industry. Um, this is an industry that will change over time, but energy is going to be here forever. And, and how we get that energy and how and, and the technologies that are going to be part of that, um, that's, uh, you know, that's something for our kids to be thinking about. I think that's how we get to, if they think there's a problem with producing oil and gas, well, let's solve that problem. If it's, if, if they think that we're going to have carbon issues, how do we, how do we take that, that could be a waste and, and add that and make value with it. So all of those things that I think that the kids, um, I think they're up for the challenge and I think that's how we're going to have to get to them. I hope that we remind kids that carbon is the building block of life, yeah, though, right. in the process, <laughs> because right. I'm afraid it's going to be the boogeyman yeah, at the end I of the know. day, the way that it's been being attacked. Follow-up, though, to the question is transparency and innovation, because your government, government regulatory affairs, so much about the oil and gas industry nowadays is the increasing of transparency. And that is a very difficult conversation to have because... First of all, it's, it's almost like when you go to a restaurant. You know, you can, you can go eat at a great restaurant 10 times and they'll tell one person. One bad meal, they'll go tell 10 people and those people will go tell 10 people. It's almost like the oil and gas industry has got some PTSD going. Because if one thing goes wrong, it's five years of defending it in the public forum. ESG is kind of a little bit about transparency. Well, you guys have been the leaders of the innovation and environmental movement. So it's kind of weird to say, okay, they're the leaders in the innovation movement. Why isn't anybody accepting that? And talk to me a little bit about the transparency part of uh, the oil and gas industry at this moment in time. Yeah, and, and that's a, it's a great point. I mean, we've always been, um, you know, it, it, 
Let's talk about regulation in the oil and gas industry. There's not an industry that's more regulated than, than our industry, quite frankly. That's right. And we've been regulated that way for, for, for ever since we existed. I mean, we, we, have, uh, we do things correctly. Uh, we report. I mean, really what we're talking about, I mean, if things, that we have industrial processes, um, but, but those processes are studied and studied and studied again. And, and we're, you're exactly right. I mean, we're, we're working closely with the, you know, your, your state regulatory agencies here in North Dakota, as well as anywhere else that you've got oil and gas development, they, they work with industry um, and and figure out the best way. I mean, we're, we're all in the same, this together. Nobody wants uh, accidents. Nobody wants um, needless, uh, needless um, issues with uh, oil or gas or anywhere else where you're, you're wasting product. We all want to keep that product and, and take it to market um, and do our business right. So you're, you're absolutely right. So I just got it, Sean, before I hand it off to you for the next question, I just have to point out that Mr. Harold Ham just walked by. Oh, nice. I waved at him. He keeping to be one of the coolest guys I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Gave me a little little thing like that. He winked at me. Gave me the finger wink. Yeah, and I'm just like, he's just so cool. Yeah. I think he, he seriously, I, I've met him several times. My son interviewed him. And so he's been very gracious. And he's, I've always thought he's been very uh, honest, actually. Yeah. He's been to almost too honest at times and I appreciate that so anyways I wanted just to pat myself on the back on that one because <laughs> I like Harold Hamm yeah, he's out yeah. you know I don't normally get into idol worshiping phase like this so, <laughs> he's always been very nice to me through yeah. the years and he doesn't even know my name yeah. so I yeah. appreciate well, it he's, so, a, anyway. he's a good one to look up to I think right? he does he does love North Dakota I can tell you that well he's he's been grandfathered in. I mean, yeah. don't we have like some at UND named after yeah, him? Yeah. Well, he he actually uh, we have the Harold Ham School of Geology. That's what at it is. UND. Yeah. yeah, and and he and uh, Continental Resources gave a, a gift yeah. uh, for the for the core library, and 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 obviously that core library was instrumental in him uh, really. Uh, finding uh, finding his resources and, and what we what he ended up doing here so uh, pretty pretty neat story we're talking about the Laird library which keeps a core sample of everything from the Bakken from like 1950 or oh, something yeah. like that yeah. and that turned the Bakken into farming yeah everyone knows where the oil is at least under this technology yeah. so it's kind of a price play and a few other things and Continental um, really understood that early on yeah. Yeah. And I remember that when that happened and thought yeah. that was so cool how that information was able to carry over for five, six generations and then get used yeah. in a way that just, well, let's just be honest, it sparked the world. Yeah. It sparked true. the world. Yeah. I mean, the whole world has changed since 2003, yeah. Yeah, right? Whatever right. this revolution took off. Yeah. So anyway. You, you know, I, I will add something. Yeah. You know, uh, Harold was talking earlier about, you know, the Cedar Hills field in North Dakota and in Montana. That was the first um, um, horizontally, fully horizontally drilled field in the in the world. So he drilled, they drilled the whole field horizontally. They didn't stimulate or hydraulically frack any of those wells. They all uh, flowed, but you couldn't drill them vertically. You had to drill them sideways. And really, that's the technology that's brought about this this renaissance: is the the ability to take the bit, turn that bit, and go 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 vertical uh, or go horizontal in that uh, formation is really what uh, has brought us here and is, is why we're able to produce out of the Bakken. It's a pretty cool story. Step by step, they were able to make it happen. Very cool story. Yeah. Um, I, I have a, I don't know if it's a question or a comment, but 
I love how you talked about educating the children and the kids because they're our future and they're the ones that need to understand what it is that oil and gas companies do so they can appreciate the value of it in their lifetime. Um, one of the things that I, I think that oil and gas companies need to focus on is promoting our industry professionally. And, and I think they do that, but kind of behind the scenes a lot. And we don't give ourselves enough credit for the things that we do for the community and outreach and things like that. What types of things are Continental doing that people might not know about? Yeah, isn't it funny? Um, when you, you, you talk, uh, Jason, you brought about ESG. And um, ESG is um, environmental, uh, social, and governance within a company. We really focus on that E. But there's two other parts of that. Yes. That um, that societal part. What are we doing to help society? And um, you know, and, and so we we put out a yearly report that talks about all of those things. And of course, I mean, we're we're heavily involved in all of our communities, and uh, we uh, we do uh, a lot for um, the the schools and areas we operate. And um, you know, we're just we, we try to be a good community partner. Yeah. Um, and the, the one thing about uh, Continental too is you know we just. Uh, we don't throw money at all every uh, everything that you know every shiny thing. What we throw money, what we participate in, really is uh, with our people, and and we jump into communities that where we are located, um, where we have operations. Our people volunteer, and we have so many volunteer hours throughout our company. Um, it's really a, a we're we're really a, a hands-on company, just like a lot like Harold. I mean, Harold, uh, if you. you Harold would much rather help than just give give money to anything. He he wants to when he takes on philanthropic and he's very generous, of course. But when when he does that, he really jumps in with his uh, his heart and his mind, and it, he doesn't just just throw money at something. He actually uh, he participates, and and he he will solve. He wants to be part of the solving of the problem, not just here. I'll pay for it. That's not that's not what he does. It's not really what we do at Continental either. We're we're really a a hands up, boots on the ground, hands get our hands dirty on all kinds of philanthropic programs, um, and that is part of that ESG program because that's uh, you know we we talked a lot about in our last ESG uh, 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 report. You know the benefit of oil and gas. The benefit there there's a, a societal benefit to the product that we're making. Uh, I mean, there are, there are people around this world that do not have access to, to clean, affordable, reliable energy. And, and we need to be talking about that. And that's what we're doing in this country. That's what we're doing in this uh, building right now, talking about that. And uh, those are all ESG uh, options, ESG issues that we need to be highlighting to say, you know, what, what, what our industry is doing. It, it's, a, it's a big deal. Yeah, and ESG is such a broad term. That's right. Because it can mean different things to different people, but there's so many opportunities, especially within the community. That's right. Right? Yeah. So. I think the greatest opportunity right now is to grab a hold of the narrative before it gets out of hand because a year ago I was doing interviews with people about how we're, we were pontificating this ESG movement and how we see a ESG score coming, a climate score. I don't know what's going to be called, but now... We're starting to hear the big banks talking about this like it's, you know, quid pro mm -hmm. quo. It's going to be part of the next revolution or, or whatever, the reset. I think it's really important to get a hold of the narrative right now because, for one, I believe the oil and gas industry has been the leader in the environmental movement. So telling that story is, I guess, where the devil in the detail becomes. Uh, the governance part is very interesting to me, and I'm very curious about your uh, your. your um, 
perception on this because when I got into this industry 10 years ago, plastic bags and straws were the only issue. Occasionally gas prices. Now I come from ag, okay? I saw where the grocery store replaced the farmer. Mm -hmm. I heard it at dinner. I heard it at Thanksgiving. You know, dang grocery store, they don't know how much work I put into this. Well, I come from the media, so I saw the internet take out all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Newspaper, magazine, and you name it. We're all gone to the internet. Now with oil and gas, about five years ago, I started saying this when I left Colorado. Starting to see the light switch replace the energy worker and the oil and gas and coal specifically. What were your thoughts on that? Just, just kind of this decade of, you know, 10 years ago, it's plastic bags and plastic straws. Now we got the president trying to ban the industry. That's quite a shift, don't yeah. you think? Yeah, 100%. Talk, talk to me about the body of work or whatever's been going on. You know, I, I think um, I think you're absolutely right, but I think some of the issues that uh, have come up lately and, and you've seen uh, really be, bring attention to what our industry has provided. If you look at the Colonial Pipeline and, and the, the hackers able to shut down really half of this country's gasoline supply, um, from from Russia, you know, what are we as a country doing about that? You know, I've I've seen this the administration really not not activate around that, and I think that's a really mistake. That's a really big mistake. Agreed. And and, and I will tell you, I th- I think it's a mistake because the impact it has on the consumer, uh, you know, and and I think you know that this administration has. Um, uh, has has made it clear that they they want to see an end to oil and gas uh, industry, but you know consumers still rely a lot on oil and gas, and I think they will rely on oil and gas for a long time. So what ultimately you're going to have is higher consumer prices, um, and and we've got a time where this we're trying to raise the economy, we're trying to move get things moving again after this pandemic. After all of this issues, now we're going to throw the consumer with higher energy prices. I think it's going to completely backfire on this administration because the, the I mean, consumers are smart. They understand supply and demand. They understand if we eliminate uh, eliminate supply, eliminate pipelines. If we eliminate, um, I mean, think about all of the things. If let's just look at Texas and what happened down in Texas with the that cold snap. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if you heard Mike Nassi um, give a presentation, but you know, we were very close to some catastrophic catastrophic um, issues down there. Less than a half hour of, I, I of, mean, of the grid. Unbelievable. <laughs> so I think those kinds of things really bring in focus the, the benefit of American energy. And we, we, you know, if this administration wants to take us down one path, that path is a long path, quite frankly. I mean, I think we should be honest about that. I think they should, I mean, there's there's not a lot of uh, honesty around how we if we if they want to push a transition that transition is going to take a long time you're not going to just switch, flip a switch like, to use your analogy and say okay we're we're now uh, on on solar and wind it just doesn't work like that and so I, I think that it, it would be nice to have a real honest conversation around that and not just be politically expedient and to say we're going to move and and we're not going to talk about it that's where we're going well it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. I got one more tough one, Sean, then I'll let you jump in here because as long as we're in the heavy stuff, I'd like to stay in the heavy weeds. <laughs> so API came out and they said they want to have a conversation about a climate tax and and um, that sort of thing. Well, um, we came out, the Crude Life came out with our very first statement ever. And we, came, we were against it for just, in our belief, the climate tax is going to affect the middle class and below. The upper middle class will get pinched, but everybody above that won't feel it as much as the, the, the poor and the middle class. So we came out with a statement on that. 
Depa came out with a statement mm-hmm. shortly after that, and so I hooked up with Jerry Simmons. Yeah, him okay. and I talked. As far as I know, we're the only two yeah. in the nation yeah. that have come out with a statement yeah. for, against, or my favorite, kick the can down the road, we're going to do a study and right. come back. We don't even have people doing that. Right. Have you guys come out with a statement? Are, are you guys just Depa's in charge of, of uh, you know, we're kind of going to go with what they're saying? How are you guys handling that climate tax issue? Because it's in the public discourse, but nobody seems to be talking about it. And this, seriously, could be the biggest tax in the history of the planet. That's right. So I, I don't yeah, mean to bring the, the heavy no, conversation. No, no, but no. Uh, we uh, we are members, and and Harold's the chairman of our Depa group. So we work really closely with Jerry, and um, and they're really our our DC arm for for our policy. So so we support exactly what uh, what Jerry did. Um, you know that's a such an and Mike Summers is here. Uh, he with API. We're trying to get. Are you okay? I want to yeah. ask him. Yeah, that. you should. I yeah. actually, you know, I want to ask him too, and and. You can continue with your thought in just a second, but I almost feel like people are afraid of the API because if nobody came out and said anything against it, I mean, you got to remember, we just spent a billion dollars or so fighting the climate tax, and in what, a week they came out with a total 180, not a 360 because 360 brings us back where we were, (laughs) but a 180. And it's just crickets. Yeah, that, that's you know, that's almost like a fear to me. And I'm not trying to get in trouble, and I'm not trying to poke any bears. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah. No, Mike. And, and by the way, Mike. Uh, Mike is a, a great guy, and and uh, it would be great for you to talk with him. He's um, he's a friend, and and I wish him the best. Uh, I, I will say one of the issues with that tax and and their proposal, and and I think they need to address it, um, is how do you how do you tax domestic uh, oil and gas at one level? and not have foreign oil and gas be taxed at that same level Great from point. a carbon perspective. So we're, we're going to end up being able to, our, our refiners will go, okay, so I can buy foreign crude at a discount rate. Why would I buy domestic crude? Mm-hmm. I, I think it doesn't make any, you know, here's the deal with, with our climate and everything that we're talking about. We're, we're, we're 12% of all emissions in this country. The, the world is a big place. And if, if China is, I mean, which they're still building coal fire facilities in China right now, they're still burning a lot of coal. Um, if they want to, it would be nice if this administration had a, had a, a view on what this, what's happening in the world and not focus on hammering our economy. I mean, let, let's let's go where the biggest bang for our buck should be, and, and that's uh, India, China, the large. Uh, and by the way, a lot of the, they need a lot of energy. <laughs> They're yeah. still bringing up billions of people out of poverty. So, and, and by the way, in the cities from yes, the rural areas, right. China's still mostly rural. Yes. People don't realize yes. that. Yeah. So I, I just think there's a. Uh, I think it's a. It's a great question, and um, yeah, something that we're absolutely 100% against uh, that the carbon tax proposal. What's interesting, too, is we have a correspondent from the BOE report out of Calgary, up in Canada, and he also uh, works for a natural gas company, so mm-hmm. he's kind of in the know, but he talks about, you know, uh, was it the queen, they call it? The queen over there, the mother? I forget who the who's in charge uh, the, of the um, Canadian government. They, they refer to it as a queen. It's a female name, and he always refers to it as their land, okay, yeah. because the way they look at it is they own 100% of it, and they'll give you back 20, 30, 40%, okay, yeah. versus America, it's different. We own 100%, right. and technically we're supposed to give the government right. anyway. So, But he brings this up all the time about how Canada is so against coal, but 90 miles from his house in British Columbia, yeah. they're exporting coal to China. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he goes... 
when you only got to drive 70 miles to the coast, right. nobody notices, so nobody cares. It's right. that NIMBY thing, yep. not in my backyard. How do you see that playing into this, too? Because I think that's a big part of this, too. Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, I, I think there's a, um, there's a, there's a point where um, we're all, we're all going to have to be um, climate realists about yes. this and energy realists of what, what happens uh, here in North Dakota um, it, it is not in a bubble and what's happening in, in China and in Beijing isn't a bubble either. We're all in, we're all in this together. And so, uh, you know, and that's the, that's the hard part. I mean, it, you're going to make um, everyone in this country buy electric vehicles. Where are those, where are those rare earth uh, minerals going to come from? Where are the batteries going to come from? Uh, it's, it, we're just, where do they go right. when they're done? Yes. I mean, it's, it's one uh, waste, uh, it's one giant waste stream that, that we're going to create with these, um, these these vehicles that we're all putting together so I, I don't know it's it's certainly something that we've we've got to at least every time this topic comes up we have to at least uh, show the the hypocrisy that exists hmm. Continental recently made a couple of acquisitions yeah let's talk about that yes uh, we're uh, yes we're we're into uh, um, just recently has a uh, Potter River uh, in, in Wyoming. Um, we have one rig running right now. We have a few, uh, several wells planned. We're excited about that, uh, that option. And uh, we've, you know, Harold had been in uh, Wyoming before, but uh, not to this scale. We're really excited. You know, I was actually, f- funny enough, I was just in Wyoming um, last week um, and, uh, in Converse County. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's a beautiful place, mm-hmm. wide open spaces, and um, really a, a, a cool it's a little bit North Dakota, Western North Dakota kind of uh, landscape. It's beautiful. Uh, um, so, yeah, we're really excited about being there, and we'll, we'll hopefully have some, some good results with uh, the well we're doing. I tried to go to Wyoming, move there, but the wind blew me to North Dakota. <laughs> exactly. you know? That's the biggest issue in Wyoming. Yeah. I was in Casper. I go, it's so gorgeous here. What's yeah. the problem? Whoosh, I got yeah, blown away, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, they say there's one day out of the year where the wind doesn't blow, and it's maybe June 12th yeah. right. or something. <laughs> well, I appreciate the time you've given us today, Mr. Blue Halsey of Continental Resources. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about your Bakken Bakken acquisitions. I understand you've also ramped up the Bakken as well? Yeah, you know, we're always, we're we're very, um, you know, we're very bullish on on the resource here. We believe that there's a lot of oil and gas here to still be produced. Uh, We know this play pretty well. Uh, Our team does. So, um, so yeah, I I think we're, you know, we're long-term. You know, that's a, it's a great point and something to, to, uh, to think about, you know, we're we're uh, a large EMP company that is a uh, per, we explore and we produce, and we're not in it for the short term. We're a um, we're we're not backed by private equity. Um, we're backed by we're we're going to be in this play for a long time. We're not going to flip acreage. It's uh, we're we're developers, and so we're gonna um, we're gonna be in this state, and we we like this resource, and there's a lot of oil and gas to be produced here. Well, thank you for coming on. I don't have any more questions. That's all I really wanted to get by today. So I appreciate the time today, almost a half hour. So no, I hey, that. thank you guys for being here. And, and, and this, is a, um, this is a great, great opportunity. You know, we've been, uh, I've, I'm the past chairman of the North Dakota Petroleum Council. So uh, I, I gave up my chair last year. And we were supposed to do this event last year, yeah. So uh, it's it's the the it's been worth the wait uh, just to finally see everybody. And in fact, I get to go uh, out to the um, out to the field Thursday afternoon and Friday. We'll be doing some field tours, talking to some of our field guys. So really excited about that and uh, get getting out to to see a rig in North Dakota.
Well, you're always welcome. Continental's always welcome on here. Uh, we've do anything to help educate and promote the industry. We've been continuing to grow now for 10 years. Yeah. And it's a slow growth, but as long as it's positive, we just keep going ahead, you know. So appreciate it, and uh, feel free to lead on us anytime, okay? I appreciate it. Thank you. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, GAM. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Speaks. My name is Jason Speaks, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Kelsey Warren, the executive chairman of the Dakota Access Pipeline the company that operates the 1,176-mile pipeline that transports crude oil out of the Bakken safely to southern refineries. This is Kelsey Warren at the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference in Bismarck, North Dakota. As soon as the election was concluded, I gathered my team together and I said, I want everybody to go into a think tank and tell me anywhere an executive order could affect the operation of this pipeline. And we came out with zero. 
we, we couldn't find it because executive orders only rule administrative action. They, they don't they don't rule. Can y'all imagine in this room? Think for a second. If we as a as a government or a nation begin can start shutting down assets that are operating, if we start, we, we've got complete chaos. I'm I'm not aware of this happening elsewhere. And so this can't, this is a bad precedent. It's not going to happen. While litigation against the existing pipeline is underway, Dakota Access LLC is pursuing an optimization project that will expand the takeaway capacity of the pipeline even more. We will be finished by the fourth quarter of this year with all the pump stations. So when we, when we talk about optimization, we're, we're just talking about adding horsepower to, to move more product. And uh, we'll be done, and we can we can move uh, 750, 800,000 barrels a day pretty easily, and and go probably up to a million pretty easily with a little bit of, of tweaks. There, there's not that volume out there right now to for the to justify that, but it will come back, and we're we're ready for it. And that was Kelsey Warren, the chairman of the company that operates the Dakota Access Pipeline. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to join our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts with fresh content daily at all of our social media sites. We have an entire network at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab, YouTube, Facebook, even the Twitters. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Yes, you know the waves like you know your skin. 
between the ocean and your skin Well I know where the moon comes in Right between the ocean and your skin